Welcome to Somebody Date Jen and Kyle, the podcast where two people pursue and try to succumb to love. We are Jen Sanford and Kyle Marshall, and we're unqualified, blah, 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 blah. You get it by now. Oh, are you okay, Jen? You know what? I don't think I am okay. I think I'm actually having some sort of a, some sort of a, a crisis. Honestly, oh, I... A quarter life crisis. Yeah, I'm not going to live that long, honestly. <laughs> I, I know the theme this week. And I legit am not handling it well. Well, this is probably a good point to let everyone know that we are completely unqualified to give advice, uh, but we are completely qualified to host a podcast. What is our topic this week, Jen? This week, the podcast is entitled It's Over. And let me just be clear to our five listeners. We're not talking about the podcast being over. This will go on for 10 to 15 to 35 years. We're like going to be the golden girls of podcasting. I am have no doubt. Just eating cheesecake late at night. Be great. Obviously. If you're listening on this Friday night, chances are good that you've either been in a relationship or you're mourning the end of a relationship or you're fearing the end of a relationship. And I think that while we can talk about the beginning and the middle, all we want, oh man. This week, I am focused on the end. And here's why. Kyle, you know this. For the last eight years of my life, I have been in a relationship with a man that I genuinely believed, genuinely believed, like with my whole entire heart, was the person for me. I thought, this is great. I did it. I did it. I did what we all aspire to do. I found my person and I'm in it to win it. And I have to say, that in the beginning, I was without question every day, the best version of myself. And I credit this person for so much of that. But on the back half, I was successful in spite of that person. And I feel tragically sad about that. While we've been recording these first episodes of this podcast, you know, I'm getting out there and I'm starting again, never really believing I was going to have to start again. And I've also been trying to wrap up the the messiness of the end. Kyle, I hate the end. I hate the end. Mm. I hate it even in movies. I hate the end. I hate how they make characters do things that they don't normally do. And they, there's a dramatic soundtrack that plays and, and we have to come to accept the end of something. I'm at the end of this relationship and it's just, it's just so not what I wanted. It's so mm. not what I want. And I'm so furious about it. I, I've been using the word devastated, but I don't actually think I'm devastated. I actually think I'm furious about it. And I just don't understand how something can begin so beautifully, whether it's romantic or funny or interesting, but it ends like a hot dumpster fire. I just don't understand how we as evolved human beings can allow that to happen. And I'm playing it like a reel in my mind where, you know, I have this incredible memory around being in Hawaii and this man who I loved so much, you know, handing me a ring and, and saying these sweet things to so many years later, us standing in a half packed kitchen fighting over who gets the dining room table. And as a final act of defiance, those rings are thrown at me. And I leave with my tail between my legs and get in my U-Haul and drive away. And I just feel so confused as to why we as people can have something start so beautifully and end so poorly. 
Yeah, let's talk about it. I mean, I think that's a very existential question to ask this early in the podcast. I think it's so fascinating because I shared, could have been last week or the week before, these all run together, Jen, sometimes. Because <laughs> we're drinking, Kyle. Probably. I mean, I hate beginnings, interestingly mm-hmm. enough. That's the part where I get the most anxious because it's like, oh, I'm trying to like be this best version of myself and trying to like almost like a business deal, like secure the uh, the relationship to start happening. And I, I kind of hate those first few weeks of a new relationship. That being said, investing so much of your time, energy, and love, and then having such a devastating way to end it cannot be a great feeling. I can only sympathize because I have never gone through that myself to, to such a degree. But for you, I'm just curious, as awful as that end piece was, was it really that sudden or was it a gradual devolvement into that? Well, this this is the $64,000 question for sure, because I asked the question on social media and got some really interesting answers to this question, which is when do you know it's really over? And mm-hmm. that I think is really the second assault of this whole thing is not just the, you know, the saving private Ryan ending that we had, but the question about what does it say about me that I couldn't figure out where the end point was. Mm-hmm. And not that I want to be hurtful to this other person. I struggled so much with his infidelity. He could right. not be faithful. And this went on for so long. And I, I live in this moment of like, there were so many moments that were the end. And what does it say about me that I kept going? And, you know, obviously, Kyle, you know, I belong in the political space. And I, I always anecdotally talk about Hillary Clinton and say, like, she left Bill right when this Monica Lewinsky thing happened, I swear to God, she'd be president now. Like, what was she doing? Like, why was she like Tammy Faye Baker? Why did she hold on? You're not Tammy Wynette. You don't need to stand behind your man. And at the same time that I was like, listen, these issues are black and white. I lived in all of the wrong shades of gray for so long. I mean, and, and I'm wrecked by this now, Kyle, because what does this say about me? What does this say about me, about how I am willing to degrade myself in the hopes of trying to rehabilitate something, even knowing that it was going to end to think at least it will end with grace and love. And it still didn't. It still ended with the infidelity being justified because I was a bad person, that it's still my fault, that it was still everything that I did wrong, that I, I, as a person could justify his behavior like I'm haunted by this. And now I'm back out in the shark tank of dating, right? Because we talk about it being like, oh, there's many fish in the sea. At 38, it's a shark tank at this point now. <laughs> the chum has been thrown the into chum the ocean. has been thrown in. And I just keep thinking, what does it say? What does this say about me? What does this say about me? It has taken such a gargantuan hit to my self-worth and my self-esteem this is the stuff that should happen to you when you're 18, 19, 20, 21, where you make those stupid decisions, but you have time to rehabilitate. I allowed this to occur at 37, 38. Like, what is wrong with me? Honestly. I, I, I don't know. Of course, I am an outside observer and I'm hearing you speak your story so plainly. Uh, but you keep saying, like, what does this say about me? And I don't know. My, my brain immediately flips to what does it say about him? What does it say about a person who is being shown empathy and kindness by their partner who have they who they have committed themselves to and yet still treats extremely shittily? So I, I, I don't know. 
have you turned that question around and asked like, what's wrong with him? You know what I have? I have. And I think when you go through all your stages of grieving a relationship, your shock, anger, sadness, denial, bargaining, acceptance, you Mm -hmm. really do reach a point where you're like, I am perfect and they are totally flawed. I think I'm over that hump now because I, I really have looked at like, how can this person do this to me? But I'm still a conscious person in a relationship. I'm still responsible for the choices that I made not to leave when I did and to stay and the justifications that I provide. I mean, you can't put that on someone else. It's just owned by your own. But I just worry about what this is going to say about my ability. I'm worried about two things. One, I'm worried about my ability to fully let go of what happened. And I'm also really worried about what this means for me in the next go around. I'm in real trouble because I am like a shitty, fragile little bird now. And you can't be like that when you're back in the dating pool. You have to be bold and you have to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I'm just so worried that it's like I've been riding a roller coaster for eight years and now I'm getting off and I'm like, oh, my bones are all brittle, right? Like, how am I going to how am I going to do this? Well, I think it's definitely something to be conscious of. I mean, I consistently go to film examples. If you look at a lot of famous directors, it is interesting if you really pick it apart how often their latest movie is a response to the movie they just made right before it, Mm. whether it's the reaction to or and you can kind of work backwards or work forwards however you want with that. And I think it might be true with relationships as well, which is, you know, this last one ended poorly. And how am I bringing that into the next relationship? So I think it, you're right as, as far as like being conscious of it and trying your best not to bring that baggage too much to, with the new partner, unless they are proving themselves to be doing the exact same thing. I mean, we know this, Kyle. We know that when you go into a new relationship that it's, you know, carry on only, no baggage, welcome. Everybody has to go into a relationship strong. That's, it doesn't work if you're coming in kind of like, oh, I'm bleeding and I'm missing a limb and I'm not well. Like you have right. to be strong coming into something new. And I've been I've been thinking about that a ton. But if you're listening to this podcast tonight and you're thinking, man, I've I've been through something grueling, um, I guess I just want to say like you're not alone. You, well you're not alone for sure. I mean it goes back to our conversation with Maria where there is a little bit of PTSD sometimes going into a relationship, especially if our last relationship ended not in the best way. And I think that is something that needs to be communicated to our partners as well about like, hey, this this is the reality of where I'm coming from. Yes, of course, we're trying to be as uh, emotionally available and uh, fair with our partners. But at the same time, I think we have to be realistic and be like, hey, I've, I've been hurt and I'm wounded and I need I'm going to have to have support through that. Yeah. I mean, you know me, I'm far more militant than you are. I'm always a big believer that you've got to have your shit wired for sound and you've, and it's hard for me to find that those points of vulnerability. I guess I'm still thinking too introspectively because I'm, I'm worried that, you know, I, I carry a ton of bitterness that, you know, I gave eight years of my life, like my thirties to making another person. Yeah. To making another person successful. And let's not like, I, I don't want to catastrophize. Like I was successful in that time too, but I do have this haunting feeling of if it had just been me, how successful could I have been? What could I have achieved? Especially in those last few years where it was so just demoralizing every day. People who are married know this very well to love someone and hate someone simultaneously, right? Mm-hmm. People, 
people, married people will get that. I know we're not alone. We asked the question on social and uh, the fishbowl delivered. That's a pretty full fishbowl, Kyle. It is. Here, I'm going to take this over here this week. Let me rifle around in here. Pull out your keys. Your keys are in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, where else am I going to put them? (laughs) All right. Question number one. How do I go on if I never get closure? Well, I think that that begs the question, is there even such thing as closure? Mm -hmm. Like, is there even such thing as closure? Do you ever really truly get closure? Like, what are you hoping for? Like a magical dance number at the end? There's always going to be things that are going to be resolved because you're always going to have two people that see a situation differently. You're also going to have, like in my case, you know, people not accepting responsibility for their actions. How do I go on if I never get closure? Is there anybody out there listening right now that feels they got closure? Yeah, like it's this 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 is a really hard one because I think only a select few people actually ever get that in the, the way they want it. Like define closure for me. What does closure look like to you? Well, I was going to give this example. This was not a relationship in the romantic sense. Very recently here this year, left a job that I had been at for 13 years. And on my last day, I was like, I went to a manager. There's like, listen, I need to talk to somebody because I can't just walk out this door after 13 years and be like, goodbye, everyone. I need some way to be like, I have a finality to this. And I kind of demanded an exit interview is basically what I asked for. It's like, I just want to go through it. I just want to go through it with someone and like highs, lows, things I think could be done better here. Things are going well here. And and to their credit, they said, okay, great. When I sat down with one of like the store leaders and had this like hour long conversation with them about like, yeah, like this was my time was like, this is what I think could be improved upon, et cetera, et cetera. Anyways, in a relationship, that is very rare to actually have that sit down. Like, let's let's have this tête-à-tête with one another and like really get into it with each other. Because the other thing I I am reminded of it was another advice show. Another advice show. Oh my god, I know. Kyle. I I thought Be we were the first the- podcast to offer advice, but apparently we're not. And this is, sounds so pessimistic, but I actually have it feels I I kind of spin it into something far more hopeful, which is that their point of view is like. Every relationship ends badly, Uh, meaning like even if you're wonderfully married for 50 plus years, one of you is going to die before the other one and they you that person's going to have to deal with it. So super depressing to think about, I get. But I mean, those people don't get closure, right? You don't get to sit down necessarily with your your spouse and be like, okay, well, we've been married for X long. Goodbye, honey. Like that doesn't get to happen very often. And I think it ties back to this question, because how do you go on? You kind of have to like there because you don't get to have that magical end point. When my aunt passed away, I went through grief counseling. I like a grief support group, which I mm-hmm. think is they're totally underrated. They're a great resource. And I remember someone saying like the the common theme of all of this is that it, it we all lost different people. We all lost different people from different circumstances, but nobody got closure. There's so many things left unsaid. There's so many things left undone. And so I think, you know, the ending by its nature is is messy. It's messy. Now, maybe there's a divide between having relationships end in a way that has some amicable nature to it. I'll be super honest that of like high school boyfriends, college boyfriends, you know, my my husband, we were married for four years. Yeah. All of those ended quite amicably. I mean, it wasn't amicable every day. But it really ended with like a, 
a joint sense of respect that this had come and that it had gone. And I think that maybe that's what we mean. We confuse closure with like the tone of the way in which things end. When things end in a, in a nasty, nasty way, I think we sometimes define that as a lack of closure. But the truth is, is that when things end in a nasty way where you've got two people on opposite sides of the way they saw things, the way they view things, a lack of respect, how are you ever going to get closure? I think what you're doing yeah. in those cases is you're trying to delay on or wear that person down to see your point of view before it's over. And I think we have to differentiate that that is not closure. That's wearing someone down to try to get the last word in or the last sentiment or to or to be the the person who's, you know, victorious and telling the narrative of what the relationship was. I think we can't confuse those two things. Uh, no, I think that's that's well said. That's well brought up. What else we got in that little fishbowl? Oh, well, this one says, can you stay friends with an ex? Should you? Well, I am the worst person to ask this question to today. I mean, yeah. I I always believed in this relationship that I've just left, that's just ended. I mm-hmm. always believed that even if we somehow couldn't manifest a romantic relationship, that we would remain incredible good friends. I always believed yeah. that I would really look out for that person. And now it's so it's so bad that I just know that I won't know that person soon mm-hmm. and that person will move on. And so I think if it had the amount of toxicity and there's a lot of angry feelings, um, you know, you probably shouldn't be friends with that person. I don't know. Like, are you friends with an ex? No, I mean, and this is really where what we started off by saying about how we're completely unqualified to give advice really rears its ugly head. I'm going to admit to something that I am not the most super proud of, but I have never been in any relationship that's lasted longer than six weeks. It seems like that is like the ultimate cutoff for me to the point where and this like those self-fulfilling prophecies. We we talked about uh, self-sabotage here a few weeks ago. I was going to say, like, is, is this a call out to last week? Is this is this acts of self-sabotage? Week week five rolls around. It's like, how can I end this relationship in the next week? That's basically what my body basically tells me. I bring that up, but like, not really. Like, I I, I can't say that I am friends with any person that I have dated in the past. And even with other people in my life, like I have a very good friend who through university and, and just passed it, he was dating another friend of mine. So she and him dated for on and off like for five years or so. And it ended very badly. Oh. I still say friends with both of them. <laughs> they were best friends. Like they labeled that that moniker to both people. And I saw them when they finally call it quits. How much it hurt because it was like the person who I want to talk to to help me through this is the person that I can't phone and talk oh, to yeah. anymore. And that's rough, right? Then that goes back to the closure thing and everything too. But I think that for the short term. No. Is it possible in the long term? Maybe. Yeah, I'm so jaded. I can't answer that question because I just want to be like, <laughs> pretend they died. Honestly. Well, yeah. But wait, you are your first husband you're friends with, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, I don't think we're friends, but I think we I think we knew we're friendly because I think we knew at the end that we were headed on two different tracks. He mm-hmm. wanted a family and someone who made it home every day at five o'clock for to make supper and was going to be far more domesticated. And I just couldn't be domesticated. I just couldn't be, I just couldn't be broken. And I just wasn't ready for the milestones that were ahead. And I genuinely, while I was sad to see our relationship end, I just fundamentally knew he's going to go on to meet the partner that's going to 
tick all those boxes right away. Like he's a great person. And he did exactly that. And I went on to focus on my career and have opportunities to grow my business and, and, and put my energy where I felt it best belonged. And I think he was, I think he was satisfied for that. I mean, it didn't make it any less hard. I mean, we really did. We didn't get married and think, let's just see how, let's just take it year by year. We really believed that we were going to be in it for the long haul. And we had a lot of shame over not only just making it four years. We also had a lot of people bring shame upon us that they were like, mm. what did you think this was going to be easy? Um, so, you know, we also had that. I think we're friendly, but we're not friends. We're not friends. Okay. Every relationship, I've always been like, I wish you well. And I'm only ever a phone call away. I'm, in, I'm just dismayed that I, I can't yeah. have that across the board now. That bugs me. It bugs me about what it says about me. And what it says about the the person that I chose to be with, but oh, okay, give me an easier question I, from this fishbowl man. I, I say to push man. him off a cliff, but uh, <laughs> oh um, don't say that. We'll be on Dateline. Give me an easier question from this fishbowl, Kyle. Dig okay, deeper. Okay, let me try. Let me try. <laughs> well, this isn't easier at all. Uh, I feel raw. How do I go on? Pass. This is going to make it sound like so poetic and everything, but I really, truly feel when a relationship ends, like you're, you are in a grief period. You are mourning the ending of a relationship. I feel like I'm seeing this from a book that I, I'm not going to be able to reference, but truly like the only way past grief is to go through it. Like you have to actually take on those emotions, wrestle with them. And then get onto the other side. I don't want to be mean to you, Kyle, but that sounds like mm. the advice of a man who can't crack six weeks. <laughs> it's actually Maya Angelou. Who's, no, I'm just Maya kidding. <laughs> yeah, I'm a hard pass. Give me a new question. All right. Uh, how do I really know it's the end? Also pass. Also pass. <laughs> These if there's bullets a- that are firing at you. Yeah. If there's a- this fishbowl is a cruel fishbowl tonight. I, I know. Wasn't this where I started? Wasn't this what we talked about at the mm-hmm. top of the at the top of the hour? This is the big question. Like, at what point are you like, this is enough? Because I feel totally unqualified to answer this because I have a pretty strong moral compass. There's things that you're just not going to do to me. And yet those things happen to me. And I was like, I can find a reason to forgive. I can find a reason to go on. Well, I can just yeah. I can just drag this dead horse behind me much longer, much to like the detriment of my own self-esteem and to the sheer emotional distress of my friends and family who had to watch this take place. Right. Like it's, it's hard on everybody and it's even hard on the other partner, right? Like how much better would we both have been if it was just like, Oh, we've we've crossed a threshold. You know, I just, I just keep thinking of the ripcord and you're out. Pull the ripcord. I, and then you're just like, Oh, I'm committed. And then you're like, I'm, I'm, this is hell. I remember us going for counseling after the first infidelity and, I just, I just took it like we would go weekly and I would just take it for the entire hour around like, these are the justifiable reasons why I cheated. And I do think it does take two people to cheat. You can send your hate mail to me at, uh, at the Jen Sanford on Twitter. I do think fundamentally, I still believe this, that it takes two people to cheat. Like there's a systemic breakdown and both people are accountable for that systemic breakdown. One person owns the choice um, and owns the responsibility and, and all of the pain that's caused by ultimately making the decision to be unfaithful. But I remember we went to counseling and I just, just the whole, I just took it, took it, took it. Finally, after the third week, I said, do I have a chance to talk or defend myself? And I think we got four minutes in and he got up and he left. He left me there, left me there. I remember because I didn't have keys. I didn't have a wallet. I didn't have phone. I didn't have anything. Just left me there. And I remember the counselor looking at me and saying, can I offer you a piece of advice? 
And I said, I think we pay you for that. I think we're paying you a fee for that. So go (laughs) ahead. And he said, he's not sorry. He's not done. And we carried on for two years after that. And that individual, that counselor was entirely right. He wasn't sorry and he wasn't done. And so how do you really know it's the end? I think, let me just try to answer this because I don't want to be like this depressed. And I don't want this Mm -hmm. podcast to be Jen's counseling hour. There's this old, there's that expression from Baz Luhrmann where he says, do not be reckless with people's hearts and do not put up with people who are reckless with yours. Yeah. And if you can look in the mirror and say, I am reckless with this person's heart and this person is reckless with mine, I think you're done. Yeah. I, I don't want to misconstrue this as if I am uh, attacking you in any way because I think infidelity is its own separate beast but one thing that i appreciate that you and your partner try to do even well that you try to do your partner what doesn't sound like he was actually trying at all trying to work past an issue what i have i have observed as a complete outsider again i'm stepping so far out of my lane but i have noticed friends in my life who have separated or like broken off uh relationships is like at the first instance of like hardship or stress it's like we're going to call everything off and we're going to both step away and i almost feel like was there an attempt to actually work through that together not talking really about infidelity i'm just saying like hey this is stressful i guess we should break up now yeah let's go our separate ways listen we see it all the time kyle you've seen it i've seen it people listening have seen it you know people who give up too early right Mm -hmm. um but i think like working on an issue is like cpr i think Mm -hmm. we don't why don't we talk about this enough? Like, to me, it's so clear in my mind, especially now, working on an issue where values have been crossed and feelings have been hurt and anger has ensued. And it's like a, it's wedged into your relationship where it's caused a totally divergent path forward. Working on an issue is like giving CPR. You have two choices after, you know, after some time of CPR. You either say time of death, and you call it and you stop doing CPR or you weekend at Bernie's it where you just put a hat and sunglasses on it and you just drag around something that's dead. And I think we don't talk often enough about how people, whether you choose door number one or door number two, you're choosing it consciously, right? Doing CPR should be a a moral requirement of the relationship, right? Unless of course it's like anger or abuse or, or something that's, you know, dangerous to your, to your immediate well-being. but you give it CPR because that's what you do, right? That's what you do. You try to help. And then you either, call it or you drag it around and you own whatever you own i can vividly recall going to this friend's house when i was a teenager going up to his house and you could feel his parents hating each other oh we all we all had those friends parents i i like i was like i had to leave his house like whatever that energy was in that house is awful oh we (laughs) all had those we all had those friends parents you know and they eventually, like, yeah, got divorced like 10 years later. I'm like, you should have done it like 15 years ago mm-hmm. because that was not a great situation to be in. Um, I guess the last analogy I just wanted to put in, like, as far as issues, like, how do you really know it's the end if both of you are actually working on it? I, I think of like team sports like bobsled or rowing or something. If someone's employing their weight, you're going to notice it very, very quickly. So I think there has to be that equal exchange from from both sides. All right, Jen, I'm going to try one more question. Let's see. Hopefully no whammies this time. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, it says, 
I can't let go. They need me, and I need them. Not really a question, that's more of a statement, yeah, but it, sure it is. is in the fishbowl. Sure is, no uh, no question mark there. I feel like... Oh, sorry, sorry, let me do this. I can't let go. They need me, and I need them? <laughs> yeah, there's no question mark on that question. <laughs> right. um, I feel like this is... This reminds me of when we had Maria on and talking about mm -hmm. mental illness when she's like, don't believe that it's your responsibility to save people. It's their responsibility. Co codependence is a dangerous yeah. trap, man. We, and we've all fallen into it, right? Codependence around like, oh, who, yeah. who am I without this person? Especially when early on in the relationship, you have so many successes with that person. But the idea that two halves make a whole is a dangerous premise in relationships, right? Two holes make a whole. Right. Two whole people make a whole relationship. I reject entirely the narrative. Sorry to the person who submitted this question. I reject the narrative that, you know, you can't you can't move on because you're so codependent on one another. That's a recipe for disaster. I think it's just as simple as it sets you on a dangerous trajectory. And in, and in 99 times out of 100, it's unnecessary. We have to start yeah. believing that people are resilient. Right. Like just because they you know, they, they may threaten or they may indicate behavior that they're not okay. People fundamentally are resilient and you know what? They find a way to be okay. Right. So I think it's, don't overinflate your, uh, your, your role in a relationship as a mechanism to keep you in it. I remember I had a girlfriend in high school who was like, Oh my God, I can't break up with him. All my CDs are in his car. And I was like, Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, uh, Dr. Ian Malcolm says it in Jurassic park life, uh, finds a way. Oh, so. look at that. We're full of movie references today. You should have a podcast about that. Yeah, I know. I should look into that. Um, of course, everyone, if you want to submit your own questions to the fishbowl, you can do so. You can head on over to our website, Somebody Date Jen and Kyle. That's Jen with two N's. Look for the fishbowl symbol graphic. Look for the picture of the fishbowl, and you can enter in that question that you have. Whether it's answering that question of the week or not, uh, submit your questions that you want answered on this show. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be about the theme of the week. Just submit your question. We'll answer it right away. The other thing that we do here is our segment called Unqualified Advice. And oh, I got a good one for you this week, Mr. Marshall. <laughs> so this woman, I'm going to butcher her name, Iva Ursano. Er doesn't matter. She's a hairdresser turned life coach and self-help guru, proving anybody can give unqualified okay. advice. So thank you, Iva. Uh, she says that this is all a bunch of noise. This whole, is mm. it the one that should be tests or there should be a list? It's very simple. You know, you're at the end of a relationship when you answer no to this one question. Am I happy? Is it really that simple? Kyle, your opening remarks. Uh, I'm going to shuffle a bunch of papers. I'm going to lean into the microphone and be like, no. And like the feedback happens as it reverberates through the Senate chamber. <laughs> um, no, I don't, I, I don't think it's that simple. I think that's a complete reduction of human emotion in this case. I think, I mean, there's a bunch of things firing in my head at once. It goes back to that conversation we were having here in the middle of the fishbowl. Every relationship is going to have uh, bumps along the road. There are going to be hardships. There are going to be not great times. And if you are just simply using that rubric or that metric of, am I happy right now? No. Well, it's time to peace out and kind of get out of a relationship. I think that might be trying to exit a bit too early without trying to work on that. I don't think it's tenable for people to be happy at every single second of a relationship. Kyle, if you applied the same logic to other areas of your life, you'd be in mm -hmm. real trouble, right? Sure. Like, oh, are you not happy at your job? Just quit. You'd never, you'd never be gainfully employed. 
you'd have 70 jobs in your lifetime. Right. If you had the same relationship with your family, families are inherently connected to unhappiness. I know when I have a cantankerous phone call with my mother, I just eat a whole loaf of bread. It's a thing. You're not going to be happy all the time. And we shouldn't expect to be happy all the time. No. We shouldn't expect to be happy all the time. I think that this is incredibly dangerous advice to be giving. And I feel sad that her her column has had like thousands of hits and comments. I, I think about Marie Kondo where she's like, if it doesn't spark joy, get rid of it. And how people were like, there'd be nothing in my in my house. I know I would have no friends. I have no I'd have nothing if I followed that adage and anything other than the, the contents of my closet. And so I think we have to be really careful that there is always work. There's always work like relationships are hard. That's why we have a podcast about them. They, they're isolating and they're difficult, but there's also really rewarding. And I think to hearken back on something that Stephen Colbert actually said in an interview with um, Anderson Cooper, he says, if you don't feel the bad, you can't feel the good. And if you don't feel the good, then right. you don't understand the impact of the bad. You can't ask for a full life and then say, but I only want to experience a certain set of emotions. If you want it, you have to experience all of it. I think what I'm learning through my own experiences, my own very painful period of time right now is that I'm, I'm learning just how unhappy I'm prepared to be before I realize that that unhappiness is permeating my well-being. I think that deserves some credit to say like how, how deeply is this unhappiness affecting who I am as a person, what I want to be as a person, how I view myself as a person. I think those three things matter. But the other flip side of it is to have this expectation that it's going to be joyous all the time is a false expectation. And to young people listening is a dangerous expectation. Uh, not to throw every like self-help guru under the bus. Oh, but go ahead. Hairdresser turned self-help guru. Yeah, no, ma'am. No, thanks. It's 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 that kind of that mantra of like, find your bliss or like do what you're passionate about and you'll never work a day in your life. And like, I kind of understand where they're coming from, but it's kind of a crock of bullshit at the same time. It's like, even if you find the best thing in the world that you get to do, like ask any actor, a singer, like the people who get paid millions of dollars to do their things. Athletes like that's that's a tough road. Yes, you're getting paid a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. You have a great life outside of that. But to say like it's all sunshine and roses at every moment along the creative process. So, yeah, brings upon its own pressure. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You can't walk down the street without 75 people mobbing you like that's in itself not a great trade off there for you. So, yeah, I, I don't like the reduction of things to such a simple phrase. Like we use analogies and metaphors a lot to try and convey tough concepts into easy to digest snippets. But this, as far as like when to end a relationship or when to know it's over, I, I think this is bad news bears. Agreed. Kyle, thank you for listening to me go on a diatribe about yeah, where your I'm bill at. is in the mail. I'm oh sending it uh, right now. And <laughs> yes, thank you for thank you for hanging in there. Next week, uh, we're going to be talking about the list. We're going to be talking about how when you get into relationships, everybody begins with sort of a thought around I want a partner that's this and this and this and this. We're going to be talking yeah. about the good, the bad, and the ugly about what these lists can and cannot do. And I'm actually really excited to have this conversation with you because I have this wild feeling that your list is very long. <laughs> well, I have it right here, actually. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for next week. So um, we have a new question of the week posted to our, to our website and we look very forward to meeting you all again on another Friday night for another edition of Somebody Date, Jen and Kyle. 
Stay safe out there. Bye.